Hey, did you know that the 2014 Caterham F1 team has produced a total of five victories in the Triple Crown of Motorsports? It's true. Andre Lauder has won three Le Mans. Kamui Kobayashi's won it once. Mark Saracen just won the Indianapolis 500. And Will Stevens was there at the end. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. No episode of Motorsport 101 is complete without Will the Lad Stevens. You love to see it. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 366 of Motorsport 101, the leap year edition of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. Glad you could join us. And uh, we are starting the triple block of what we call Classics Weekend. Uh, Dave Lessons, we like to call it. First and foremost, big thank you to everybody that tuned in on Twitch. For eight hours and 12 minutes of fun, where we covered MotoGP in, at Mugello. We have the Monaco Grand Prix that went way longer than anticipated. And, of course, the 106th run-in of the Indianapolis 500. And the 500 of you tuned in over the course of the day. Some of you guys were in there for pretty much the entire eight hours. Uh, shout out to JB. Shout out to Jason, who's in that chat right now listening in. Shout out to Jason. And he was there pretty much the whole way through. Thanks to everyone who did. Thanks to everyone who followed our Twitch page. Our brand new Twitch page. Twitch.tv forward slash motorsport101 underscore. Massive thanks to everyone who did that. Special thanks as well to my cohorts who joined us over the course of that week as well. And especially to one, the man, the myth, the legend as we go around the horn. Mr. Ryan King for putting the whole thing together from a technical standpoint. He did a tremendous amount of work to make it happen. So, King, thank you, man. You're the best. <laughs> no, no problem. Good, good, good to see you, buddy. How's it going down there? It's it's going well. Uh, the 500 didn't play out the way I'd like. <laughs> I liked it to play out. I, I, I think I'm right in saying that three of the four of us live on Twitch when we did it when we did our preview for it picked the Chip Ganassi driver. We just all picked the wrong one. Way to go, guys! All of our picks were spectacularly wrong. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's Cam well, Buckley. That's Cam Buckley, by the way. Cam, good to see you, buddy. How's it going? Um, you know, it's going okay. It was a going solid okay. enough. Uh, it was a solid enough birthday weekend with lots of good racing. And um, regarding our picks for the Indianapolis 500, we are dumb bitches with terrible taste. We will never <laughs> change. We will never improve. And that is our promise to you. Yep. And we will never log off either. So there you go. Um, yeah, Cam, who was with us on the day as well, he came in and did the whole stream on his birthday. What a true gent. He's 25 today. God damn it, I'm jealous. <laughs> he's still the, he's the baby of the four of us on this show, and we love him very much. Also, welcome back, Mr. RJ O'Connell. How's it going, buddy? Busy weekend. Glad to be through it all. Uh, sure, more intriguing adventures. What I want to know is whose ice cream truck is uh is just oh oh yeah uh that is that is outside of my window I assume I assume Marcus Erickson's outside driving that ice cream truck (laughs) is that that part of his media tour after he's won it now he's got he's got to drive an ice cream truck through the whole of New York (laughs) when did when did did the estate of Yogi Berra okay unretiring the number eight for him to play the New York Yankees. In, in number eight. <laughs> I've seen him throw out that first pitch. Someone needs to check that man for spider tack. 
And since this but, is the uh, the leap year episode of M101, uh, who who all is excited about Big Bartholomew versus Mr. McElroy and a siege creature? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Good question. Uh, my, my money's on the sea creature. So, over the course of this triple block, we're going to be talking all about the 106th run-in of the Indianapolis 500, and yeah, you did read that correctly. Marcus Erickson did indeed win the Indy 500. Uh, we'll be talking all about that and how we got to the point where Chip Ganassi's third wheel uh, ended up stealing it all ahead of uh, a very angry Scott Dixon. Uh, pancakes officially off the menu for at least another year. But we're talking about some of the winners and losers of that race as well, because boy, um, if you were a title contender who didn't have their season ruined by this race, congratulations. <laughs> like, you might not, just like, be Marcus Erickson because it was everyone else. <laughs> Everyone bar maybe Alex Polo, basically, at this point. Congratulations. You're still, you, you survived. It was like going through a minefield while blindfolded. That's right. By the time we got to the end of Andre, you know what else we got? We got a throwback to 2017. We have a we have a genuine throwback to 2017 yeah. where a, a Dale Coy racing driver who probably should have been the Rookie of the Year on merit didn't win Rookie of the Year. Really? What a shock. Um, well, what do you mean? We here at the Motorsport 101, David Malukas' hive mind, was robbed by the heathen that is Jimmy Johnson. How dare he win the Rookie of the Year award? Sorry, I didn't know I was a member of the press all of a sudden. We'll be talking beef. Sizzling beef. Because for the last 48 hours, we have had tension on social media between members of the media and a certain... Dale Coyne entity regarding who should have won the Rookie of the Year award. We'll get into some of that as well over the next hour or so. But uh, first and foremost, here's the place you can find us if you like the cut of our jib. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter and Motorsport underscore 101. If you want to follow us uh, personally on our handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at cbuckley 917 You can remember, you can follow our brand new Twitch page as well for all our live shows. That'll be twitch.tv forward slash motorsport101 underscore. You can follow us on Instagram at motorsport101pod for all the updates on there as well, and all of our content and all of us on our website, as always, motorsport101.com. You can check out reviews from yours truly on all three of the big day of classics events we had this past weekend. Over 5,000 words in all. It was, a, it was a fun time. I actually really enjoyed it, to be, to be fair. It was a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff to break now. I'm, I'm enjoying putting that out there. So check it out in the blog section if you haven't already, if you want even more from yours truly on the weekend of classics. But, uh, gentlemen, let's sit down and talk the 106th Indianapolis 500. So going into the 2018 Formula One season, I think we all agree that when you look at that Alfa Romeo Sauber F1 team, you could just see that one driver was destined to win one leg of the prestigious triple crown of motorsport. Was the, was the other person Charles Leclerc? Well, how we got there was interesting, uh, to say the least. Um, we had 500 miles of drama. We had Scott mm -hmm. Ditson leading 95 laps on the day, almost assured a victory until he was caught overspeeding into the pit lane on his final pit stop, opening the door for none other than Marcus Erickson 
Marcus Erickson, who had never finished better than 11th pre- three previous starts in this event, going through the door that had just been opened and driving away from the field, then after a late red flag, he holds off McLaren SP's Patricio Award at a two-lap sprint to win the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500 at as a 12 to 1 medium shot? Medium I, shot. I think we could say. Yeah. Um obviously not not the driver that I think all of us would have picked at first, but <laughs> fair play to him. He's done it. Trey, what did you make of this all? Um, yeah, uh 75% of us on this show. May or may not have picked the two frontline Chip Ganassi cars of Dixon and Polo, um, who led God nearly 140 laps of this race between them. The first half, Maybe... the first quarter of the race was just them trading the lead back and forth to make the fuel numbers because they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they could. Like they, like the story of this race will ultimately go down as Chip Ganassi. Controlling this race, losing control of this race, and then getting it back again right at the end. That's what it's going to ultimately boil down to. Because like I said, Dixon and Below led combined over 130 laps. And over two-thirds of this race, they led. Thanks for Jason for doing the maps for me. It's 142 out of 200 laps was led by those two drivers. Nearly three quarters of this race. And somehow, neither of them found the way to win it because Below got... Was basically caught out by a caution and had to make an emergency. Remember what happened to Ditson last year? The same thing that happened to Ditson last year happened to Polo this year. Except Polo was lucky enough to claw his way back in the ninth, which probably saved his championship aspirations at this stage, although it's still a long two thirds of the season to come. We'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Dixon, who. Who eventually you know, made a driver error and uh, lost control of his car going into pit entry and was caught speeding. Scott Dixon choked another Indy 500. I I, I take full like, if you're a Dixon fan and listening to this show, I take full responsibility for this one. This was me. I picked Dixon to win this race. I danced with the devil and I drew snake eyes. I sincerely apologize. This one's on me. <laughs> like I am so sorry, Dixon fans of the world out there. But the thing is, and the one I want to, I I want to highlight about this, a lot of people were taken aback by Marcus Ericsson winning this. And look, I know for a fact that a lot of these people were F1 fans who only look at these things in the perspective of Formula One. And yes, Marcus Ericsson's F1 career was relatively disappointing, right? You know, it was. It, some people would call it a bust. I, I completely understand that perspective. Like, he was a journeyman at best. Um, if you've been paying attention to Marcus Ericsson and IndyCar for the last two years, you'll see that this was no fluke. Like, he has gotten better and better in IndyCar as the years have gone by. We looked at him like he was a pay driver when he went to Chip Ganassi Racing. The third wheel with the big fancy chocolate sponsor. None of us took him seriously in that number eight car, right? Last season, he was sixth in the championship. That's really, really good. Won two races, had, I think, something like 11 top top 10 finishes on the year. Just consistently good. 
just was yeah, always I mean, we, we bury a given piece of media when a character shows next to no development across that piece of media, but mm. we we don't take any example of that seriously in real life. Marcus Erickson over the last three years has legitimately improved as a racing driver. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. He has gotten better and better year on year. And even just in the context of the two weeks that led up to this, he was always in contention. He qualified fifth. We're completely under the radar. Because again, we were all enamored with Dixon's historic qualifying run. And rightly so. It was an incredible run. Of course it was. Like, and it deserved all the plaudits that it got. He qualified fifth. He was never outside of the top 10 in any practice session over the course of the two weeks that led up to this race. He was always in the mix, always fast, always in contention, always kept it clean. And when everybody else around him made these mistakes or goofed up or, or, or had was unfortunate with, with the way the cookie crumbled over the course of this race, Marcus was always in the right place at the right time. And... The one that leaped off the page to me, and I've got to give credit to Chris DeHarde for mentioning this on Twitter, who was covering the race. Like, the fastest lap of the entire 500 was on lap 179 as Dixon was coming in for his stop, and it was by Marcus Erickson. He did a 224.8 mile an hour lap. Yeah, him busting out on the bots after his final pit stop with the fastest lap of the race really, really helped. It got him ahead of a ward. It got him ahead of Felix Rosen. It helped get him ahead no, of cause it, it Because yeah. it didn't, though, RJ. He yeah. had to go and pass them. He had to go that fast to go and get the McLaren boys before they could um, link up as far as a draft. And once he mm. did, he just drove away from them. That was the thing. If not for that red flag, he wins this race by multiple seconds. Yeah. yeah he, he had was a three-second three gap. Yeah. Had a three-second lead until that penultimate caution with... Johnson wrecking. Um, so I, think the, yeah, like, I think the past does matter when in the context of this latest story, because I love it when a racing driver that's been slagged for years can get off the canvas and take the narrative that's been ripped up, that's been written about them. You could grab that piece of paper crumple it up, and throw it in the fucking garbage. You know, maybe for five seasons at F1, Marcus Erickson was just the wrong driver at the wrong time most of the time. I mean, we're not going to pretend like we didn't wish that all the opportunities they had to stick around the sport should have gone to someone like Kamui Kobayashi, Felipe Nazar, Pascal Verline. But you know what the best part about all this now? None of it matters anymore. None of it matters because he's won the Indianapolis 500. You know, I wrote my preview of the race for race fans. I'll admit, I I almost left Marcus Erickson off the test. And, you know, I'm thinking like Scott Ditson set the fastest pole lap in history and he's hungry to win his second. Alex Polo's the reigning champion. You have a super rookie, Jimmy Johnson, whose debut has been anticipated for years. And you have Tony Kanan, who... May or may not be in his last Indy 500 and still going strong at age 47. So yeah, in a five-car stable, of course, Erickson was going to fly under the radar where he'd previously finished 23rd, wrecked out in 32nd, and finished 11th. There were way sets your picks on the board. I mean, if you want to be a cynical bastard about it all when you're listening to this, then yeah, 
Marcus Erickson didn't win the race any more than Scott Nixon lost it. And yeah, Marcus Erickson's never won a race cleanly without some weird red flag shenanigans. And he never got in that riding an acid without a dump trucky cast for a hot chocolate company. But you know what? They don't engrave asterisks on the board runner trophy for all that. And they don't deduct prize money based on how you win the race. In fact, Marcus Erickson just won $3.1 million for all of this. Oh, the, the biggest big person in the history. Yeah. Biggest prize pool ever. $16 million prize pool for this here, entire race. Here's the thing with all of this. It is not called the Indianapolis 400, 450, or in the case of J.R. Hildebrand, 499.7. Oh. It is the no. Indianapolis 500. Though it, it seemed like on the day, it seemed like Marcus Erickson was going to win the Indianapolis 495, but race control was almost seemed determined to rip the trophy out of his hands in the last five miles. We have to blame for that. <laughs> We've got to have a finish, King. We I'll tell need you. a finish. <laughs> I'll tell you, when they when they red flagged that race, I mean, he was doing everything to keep the field behind him. It wasn't just a war because Tony Kanan was on a heater too. Uh, and on that last lap, Pato gets what may have been the run. He gets three quarters of the way past he backed out of but it. But in that stage, he's got to be all the way clear going into turn one because Erickson's not going to lift. I no, love I, this for Marcus Erickson. I, I don't, don't think know it if it would have mattered. I think I just think Pato backed out of a move that he probably could have got done. I don't know. Pato kind of said without saying that the he had the car trimmed out as far as it can go and the Chevys just weren't giving him enough horsepower. I think he made a business decision that day, and I think he made the wrong business decision on that Agreed. one. Agreed. Uh, um, I, I think he, had, I think he had a shot. I think like it's the final lap of the Indy 500. If you don't, pin we it saw there. we saw what happened with Takuma Sato 12, 10 years ago. No, but this that's not, but he went on the. That's not the same, RJ. No, it's not the same, but it's not similar. even close. No, no, no it's not yeah, even it's, similar. It's, it's not close because going around the outside awards race. Is in, it's in Erickson's hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Erickson's not going to back out of that. And I don't. I still don't think Award was clear enough to make that move. Mm, I, I'm inclined to disagree. I, I think Pato made a business decision there. I, um, I, and, and it's going to turn that's... out fine for him because you know that's that's a huge boost to his championship. At the end of the day. I don't know if this is going to be as good as it gets for Marcus Erickson and IndyCar. We'll see if he goes on. I mean, it is. He just these. won the Indy 500. <laughs> the, if the only way he can improve his, like, improve his standing after this is doing it again. Yeah. Either he wins it again, he wins a championship, or this is just one and done. But, you know, if it is just, if it does turn out to be the one shining moment of a career that turns out to be above average to find after this, so what? His face is on the board Warner Trophy forever, and they can't take that away from him because this car clear post race tech. Um, you can't take it away from him. And not a bad business decision for Pato because he takes home a million dollars. Wait, he, he got a million just for second? Yeah, yeah, Damn. yeah. Look at look at the box score, and also look at the box score and note it. And you can really, really tell which teams are in the winner's circle and which ones aren't. <laughs> which which is oh, yeah. good because uh, because I can never figure out who's actually in the winner's circle or not sometimes. Oh yeah, 
oh yeah, that was that was awesome. Good for Marcus. He's totally embraced it, and it sucks that I find it amazing that until literally yesterday you couldn't buy a T-shirt with Marcus Ericsson on it in IndyCar. Until today. So, uh, <laughs> Until yesterday, yeah. I think he was still in that race suit, encrusted in milk, smelling like hot ass. I, I don't envy him on that one. Um, you that... avoided having to chug buttermilk. Yes! Uh, Not I, only I'm did you so, avoid uh, it, Ed Carpenter's car on the final restart ensured it. <laughs> oh, look, no. Look, I, I, for those of us who don't know, I may or may not have had a bet saying that if Ed Carpenter finally won a 500, I would be forced to drink buttermilk against my will, um, which is what he suggested to drink on the milk list going into. He does this every year. He's a strange human, Ed Carpenter. But um, thankfully, his car stalled in pit lane going into the final restart, and that didn't happen. Nothing personal, Ed. I like I was, you a lot, actually. But, I, was, uh, I was like, when that last red flag came out, I was thinking this would have been some sick, terrible joke if Marcus Erickson lost the Indy 500 the same way that he eventually won his first race. Oh, God. Could, 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 like, my man made sure he was going to win it because he was weaving so hard. You think he was playing Snake on one of those old Nokia phones from 1998. Like, just... Serpentine! Yeah, but I, I think it's especially an important distinction to make for Formula One fans that it's legal to do that. You can move across the track on your own as long as you're not moving in response to someone behind you. Yeah, if you're setting the tone, that's fine. Oh, we saw this you in know, 2019 that's... with Simon. Yep, yep, exactly. Absolutely fine. Oh boy. But Marcus Erickson, folks, your 106th Indy 500 w- winner. He's also now top of the Astor Cup standings as well as a 13-point <laughs> lead on Alex Plo. Pado Award, I should say, second, and then Alex Plo is a point behind him in third. So, uh, yeah, Marcus Erickson, your new favorite for the championship this year as well. And but there's something to Detroit. <laughs> And yeah, of course, because we're racing Detroit this weekend. And he's gone well round there before as well. His first podium in the series. Turns out he can time. have shit in Detroit. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Should we talk about the other side of the coin here for a minute? Yeah, about, let's talk um, about losers. Let's oh, talk about losers. A um, lot of title contenders coming into the Indianapolis 500 had some pretty tough days. We talked about Scott Ditson's speeding penalty that oh. ripped a surefire second board Warner trophy out of his hands. Alex Pillow getting caught out during a caution flag at the end of a pit window. The same thing that happened to Ditson last year. Uh, two of the three Penske's stalled during their pit stops and then fell down the order. And the only one that didn't was Scott McLaughlin and he crashed and then nearly collected Ed Carpenter the process and Andretti Autosport, apart from Alexander Rossi, soon to be departing Alexander Rossi, hmm. didn't have a good showing at all. So, folks, who was the biggest loser coming out of the Indianapolis 500? Put the camera Ooh. on me. We're no longer a visual <laughs> medium. <laughs> Team Penske stinks. They own this place now, and they're still just so this place mid owns round them. here. Yeah. Like, Scotty so mid round here. New Garden was running okay, had a horrible pit stop, then the stall was very anonymous. Will Power might as well have had a hamster in the back of his car powering him. They were yeah. horrible, they were terrible, 
And they were still probably better than Andretti. Yeah, easily. Easily still better than Andretti. Uh, Andretti were miserable. Like, like, and it, it, like, I don't think anything highlights the misery of Andretti's 500 more than one, the man leaving them finishing in the top five. That's funny. <laughs> like, we, and we all know Rossi's been generally excellent at the 500 for, for his entire career. The other four Andretti's in this race, 20th, 22nd, 30th, and 31st. And the only one who could run legitimate top 10 on pace all day was Romain Grosjean, who crashed out of two about midway through the race. Everybody was crashing out on two, and Scott McLaughlin decided to change it up by crashing into three. (laughs) (laughs) To say nothing of Jimmy Johnson. More on him later. Brings a whole new meaning to his hashtag of thirsty threes. He was committed (sighs) to the bit of crashing with with the term of his number on it. Oh, Scotty. Dude, um, that's not that's not the way to do it for Dale. Dude. But uh that doesn't that doesn't put a spotlight on perhaps the most disappointing portion of Andretti. Colton Herda had a day from hell. Oh. Do you remember in 2019 uh when Marco Andretti seeming was seemingly driving the slowest Dallara IR18 in the field and they had to pit him like 172 times to fix what was wrong with the car and they never got it fixed. That's what that looked like here. Now, there is contents behind us. He wrecked and flipped his primary car on carb day. They had a wheel at the back of the same car that won the Grand Prix of Indy, but clearly it wasn't dialed in for the race. It looked evil to drive. I mean, his primary car didn't look all that fun. None of the Andretti's did. They just seemed unstable all month. You know what was really um, telling is that officially mm-hmm. he's listed as a mechanical retirement, but when they interviewed Colton on NBC, he said, yeah, they parked us because they were going too slow. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was parked by race control. The Jean Alacy special. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, Scott Ditson, yeah, he bottled another Indy 500 in a race that he, he's cursed at still. Pelo may have been caught out in the cost, and Patchke had another anonymous day at the track deal. But they all came away for the rest of the season better off than they probably could have been because all the Penske's drivers are still within 64 points of the lead. That's uh, this was bad for Colton Herta and his chance of winning the championship. This I, I think bad. it was probably equally awful championship wise for Herta and Dixon. But man, at least Dixon looked competitive. Better than competitive. He led almost half the race. Colton Herta didn't once look like a threat for the top 25. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. Look, the thing is as well, if you read between the lines of Colton Herta, he, we, we all know that Colton's got F1 aspirations. Like he yeah. signed, he went out of his way to get that development deal with McLaren. He's, he's angling for some sort of F1 seat, whether it be with, Zach at McLaren, or whether it be with the eventual Andretti F1 team, whatever that may be. I need to remind everybody here, Colton Herter only has 32 super license points. He needs eight more to actually be eligible for one right now, which means he needs to finish, and I did Google this and check, he needs to finish in the top five of the championship this year to actually claim that super license if he wants an F1 drive as early as this year. That's under question. Yeah. That's well, now- there there is a bit of wiggle room because he does have practice time uh, with 
McLaren later on this season. So if he puts in enough kilometers, he'll be able to. I don't know, King. I think limit. Daniel Ricardo needs all he can get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy, that I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if Colton Hurd is first in line for that. And you know, I don't think Daniel Ricardo would accept the IndyCar drive at McLaren if he, they kick him out of the F1 team. Also, I appreciate that nobody brought up my me picking Renus VK to win the whole thing, only for him to crash out first. These things first happen. retirement. As a side note, RJ, the next time you ever tell me about Joseph Newgarden and his aspirations to win the Indy 500, I will laugh you out of the room. Joseph Newgarden is going to win the Indianapolis 500 one year, but it wasn't this year. (laughs) Ah, there it is. You see, there it is. Um, Other notes. MSR. Solid. Not great. Not terrible. Solid. They don't lose us at all. Look. No, I, I cannot get over the fact that the, the most viral tweet regarding the middle of that race was a, a tweet that said, quote, oh, look, another Bitcoin crash in regards to Renus VK being the first man out. <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, dear. Look, RJ, look at it this way. At least he still gave us a spin move, right? That, that's nice. It's not the right kind. Oh, <laughs> And yeah, get well soon. As Jason puts in the chat, get well soon, Canamado, because he broke his wrist on his turn two incident. That was a yeah, nasty. We'll, we'll get in. We'll get into that as we talk about the rookies because uh, rookies mm. were a hot were, topic. Were in the roots. Um, Jimmy Johnson won. Was voted Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year. Uh, he finished 28th. David Malukas and Dale Coyne uh, finished 16th. That was highest of all the rookies. Uh, they weren't impressed. It got to the point where Jennifer Iyer, the Associated Press, was actually going back and forth from Lucas on Twitter for potential deal breakers, like salty tweets. So, um, what do you make of this beef, and and what do you make of the whole Indy 500 Rookie of the Year process, which is now coming under the microscope for the second time in the last six runnings because a highly a popular driver from another form of racing has come in and taken that plate away from a, a rookie of the Dale Coyne system. Um, well, at least last time this happened, they might have actually had a point. Mm. Because when Fernando Alonso was here in 2017, he led a bunch of laps and was probably in contention for the win before his uh, Honda engine decided to vacate its block. Um... Do you want want my opinion on this? Kind of boils down to a popularity contest at this point. Yeah, it's nonsense. Like like, the criteria is complete intangible nonsense. Now, I will borrow the exact tweet I read this from from Jennifer regarding what the exact criteria for the Rookie of the Year award is, and I quote: "Criteria includes on-track performance in practice, qualifying, and the race, media and fan interaction." sportsmanship, and positive influence on the Indy 500. Now, everything after the word the race is literally intangible bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can literally, I could literally make an argument right now that Christian Lingard knocked on all those Speedway houses, he bought all the media pen, like a bottle of champagne to say thanks for coming, you know, he could have, you know, shaken hands with some fans and taken some autographs and selfies. And at that point, I could make a feasible argument based on the criteria 
that Christian Lundgaard was the rookie of the year. I don't mean this is in any ill will towards Christian at all. Though, I'm just using his name as an example to prove the bullshit of this award. No, it's though, nonsense. also based on that criteria, there's no way any other rookie would have been able to beat seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson in the amount of media attention he brought this race. Like, you're talking about one of the greatest drivers in the history of North American motorsports. Like, ever. The, <laughs> the, like, based on that criteria, the minute that Chip Ganassi Racing submitted their entry for Jimmy he didn't Johnson even need for to this race. race. <laughs> yeah. Punch it in. It's over. It's over. Like, look, like, here's the thing. I get all of that. And don't get me wrong. I was not expecting Jimmy Johnson to come into IndyCar and be 2007 beating the field to a pulp Jimmy Johnson. I don't think but he was embarrassing things. on race day. Like, he honestly, was on, he was on honestly being 100% real, like, at this point, Anytime there's a high-profile like driver as a rookie in the Indianapolis 500, it effectively becomes a championship belt in professional wrestling. When all you're trying to do <laughs> is boost the prestige of being rookie of the year to say that Jimmy Johnson was rookie of the this year, this would be like rookie giving of the rookie year of the point. year to Fernando Alonso in 2019 when he didn't yeah. take the race. Just so later down the line, you could say. Two-time Fernando, like two-time Formula One World Champion Fernando Alonso, was Rookie of the Year at one, uh, one point. Like it's just simply to boost prestige of the award itself. And yeah, look, it's none clout. of the rookies were especially amazing. Malukas that was going to be my point. Yeah, solid. Like... And Di Francesco, terrifyingly, was solid enough given Andretti's struggles. Jimmy Johnson made arguably the biggest driver error of the day. Just, he was in the grass when he hit when he spun around and crashed. Yeah. He almost cost his team the victory in the process. And from fast 12 qualifying on, looked every bit out of his depth as he has for the rest of his time in IndyCar, which mm. wasn't the expectation going into this and up to the up to fast 12 qualifying, he had been pretty damn good. He was excellent until that point. None of the he rookies had were genuine good. top six speed. Roman None of the Grosjean rookies was great. top ten when he crashed out. I'll at least give him that. Mm, he had fallen off since the start of the race. Grosjean and I and Johnson really wasted having good start spots. Tumbled down the order before they wrecked. Callum Eilat crashed out and broke his hand off a double impact. So now he's out of Detroit. Um, he can't keep getting away with this, even with his fake mustache. And then Sakina back of that. <laughs> David Malukas, Kyle Kirkwood, Christian Lungard, Devlin DeFrancesco, all did very well to finish their first Indianapolis 500s. And the reality was they were fighting for scraps and none of them were a even threatening for, at least Ed Jones was threatening to take Takuma Sato and Ed Elvio Castro Nevis' lunch money in 2017. Yeah. And when nobody really distinguishing themselves is driving the any better than fine, and when you have someone with the pull that Jimmy Johnson is, of course, a voting panel that's made up by track officials, series officials, and old money media types are not going to miss a chance to give the most anticipated rookie driver in over five years the only award he realistically had a shot at, or at the very <laughs> least, make sure that it wasn't going to go to the youngest rookie with the least clout that finished runner-up in a championship with only 10 cars. 
And you know, that's just the thing about these awards that are voted on. Uh, they're not decided by true reports. Trust us, as fans of stick and ball sports, we've seen some atrocious awards voting in our times. But honestly, this is far worse than most of those. Gonna be real here. Yeah, this is this is terrible. This, this, like, this is an objectively bullshit award with an with an objectively bullshit criteria that can easily have the ballot box cracked. And I'm I'm sorry, but when it get it's one thing, right? We all kind of knew that Jimmy Johnson was going to win this award if you know the criteria of how this award works, no. right? Unfortunately, when it comes to the beef regarding this, Jenna Fryer was saying the quiet bit out loud on Twitter. <laughs> like, yeah, she basically is... she basically just outed how BS this was. And, and this has been going on for a long time because you go back to 1966 when they decided Rookie of the Year. They decided Graham Hill did not win the Indianapolis 500 as a rookie. Jackie Stewart lost the Indianapolis 500 as a rookie, and we're going to give him the consolation prize. Yeah, and it's and like especially in the modern format about how the road to Indy works and how if you become Indy Lights champion, you don't get a full season ride. You get a part-time ride including the Indianapolis 500. They're really paying you to be a rookie here. What does it tell you that you can't win the top prize as a rookie because you decided to devote your career to specifically getting to IndyCar? Dude, Richie Sorry. Hearn finished third as a rookie in 1996, and they gave the rookie, the award to Tony Stewart, who popped an engine after 82 laps. Uh, my my so rookie much. of the year is Kyle Kirkwood, purely for getting hired at Andretti. <laughs> Dude, yeah. they, they split the 2002 award between Alex Barron and Thomas Schechter. Yeah. <laughs> But King, it's obvious. Malukas just didn't shake enough hands on Speedway Drive. He left one too many journalists out in the cold, you know, to win. We the were award. out here having Carvana Jimmy Johnson ads side by side with the red flag caused by Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> I, I would have thought it would have been so. I, I, w I thought it would have been so, so cool if Jimmy Johnson had captured lightning in a bottle and instead he dropped the bottle. I would just sucks. wanted him to. Just he, uh, you're he was in good a, in Texas. He was fine in Texas. He finished sixth in a Ganassi car, and as we've seen, Ganassi cars on oval are cracked. <laughs> yeah, they are really good. No, look, I don't like this award. Like, and I don't like the criteria for it. It's it's like I said, it's it's completely intangible nonsense. We learned nothing from Fernando Alonso in 2017, and I still look. But I again, I maintain, I, I like, at least yeah, with look, Alonzo, you had half a point because yeah, he was fighting for the win before a piston decided to enter low Earth, or, uh, low Earth orbit. That's just the problem, Cam. You can use this criteria to form a BS argument about whoever you want if you try yeah. hard enough. That's, yeah. what, that's what makes the whole thing a farce because it's like, oh, well, you know, sportsmanship. And then, of course... When Dale Coyne understandably tweeted on Maine that they that they thought Malukas was robbed because heaven forbid a team defends their drive. They got dogpiled. <laughs> you know, like they, they got dogpiled by actual. They got dogpiled by actual IndyCar media. Amazing. Yeah, and, and the thing is that what you get fifty grand for winning a Rookie of the Year to Jimmy Johnson, that's nothing. But Drop say in the to say. Uh, a lights champion with a part-time ride, meaning that they're not in the leader circle. 
Uh, that would boost their earnings for that race by at least a third if they won that Rookie of the Year award. Yeah, like for, for a team like Dale Coyne and for a driver like David Malukas, that money matters. It does. And for Jimmy Johnson, 50 grand ain't shit to someone like him. And that's what makes it doubly unfortunate. Because I don't have a problem with this being a vote-based award, but I get the feeling that we really need to kind of shake up who votes on this award. Yeah, because I know if I had a vote, I know if Chris had a vote, we weren't going to be voting for Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, just pretty give, much. Just, like, just give it to the highest finisher. Honestly, like, like I'm not even got. I even got a massive problem with media dudes voting on this. I just think you've got to change the criteria. Yeah, because like I said, sportsmanship doesn't mean shit. Like, 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 like what is that? How do you measure that? <laughs> like, how do you measure like, sportsmanship? We could develop an advanced. We developing <laughs> analytics to, we, to, we, to we, quantify. We measure this. We measure this based around how many Carvana ads we're seeing. Yeah, I, I, we're me- I, I want it to be measured in such a way that foolish ba- baseball has to do with video about the sabermetrics of fan oh, interaction no. at the Indy 500. It's nonsense. Change the criteria. Fan interaction, buttering up the like, media interaction in a media-based <laughs> award. What more do I need to add to this, people? It's nonsense. Get, get rid of that part of the line. Fuck that. Like, David Malukas, I hereby declare the real for Indy 500 Rookie of the Year is David Malukas. Thank you very much, and good night. declare the Firestone Firehawk, the Indianapolis Rookie of the Year. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I, I think Firehawk uh, cleared his uh, rookie certification back in 95 when they re-entered the sport. Yep. Mm. But we have our own award on this show. I call it the Underrated Gem of the Race Award, and we have actual criteria for this one. It's the person we thought was the most underrated performance of the day at the 500. The best we got loser. An award for it. We love to see it. So, gentlemen, so your nominees for the underrated gem of the 500 award. So, the best part to me about Alexander Rossi's Indianapolis 500 performance wasn't even that he clawed his way up from 20th on the grid to finish fifth with some brave moves on restarts that really reminded us of just how good this dude is when he's not being flattened by cartoon anvils every other weekend and demonstrated also why he still has value to a team like Aaron McLaren SP, which spoilers, by the time you listen to this, they're probably going to announce him at McLaren, either in a third car or replacing another driver in the second. Who's to say the best thing about his performance is that nobody would have ever suspected he was the one that filled Connor Daly's hot tub full of marbles. That, whole fucking time. <laughs> 1. Sicko 1. behavior. 1.4 million, I think it was. The um, best way, the the best part about it was the way he was just like, hey, Connor, you thought there was that many? Guess again, there was this many. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Alex Rossi. Um, my nominee is the Felix Rosenquist. Um, oh, man. You t- that was going to be my nomination. You were, you were on my same brain cell. Felix Rosenquist was fourth, and this is a man. Felix Rosenquist saved his job. Look, I don't think this was a job saver because I've never heard Rosenquist's name be associated with getting cut from the series. To be Uh... fair, (laughs) well, maybe not. (laughs) But, but sixty-nine, nice, very valuable points for his championship. A fourth place finish and a way to back up Pato, which is what. 
everyone's been asking for Felix to do. I don't don't get me wrong. I know this is all on Felix. I know that McLaren have very much leaned into their plucky Mexican. Um, and Felix has probably suffered a bit as a result of that. But to finish fourth and just be really solid across the two weeks in general, shout out to Felix Rosenquist. That was a damn good haul from, yeah. from Felix there. And he needed that and he got it. He, he got a big one. and he, 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 He's been waiting for one of them. Think, so about, think about this angle from the ascension of Marcus Erickson, right? Think about all the times where we were thinking the wrong Swede has been in Formula One the whole time, and now Marcus Erickson, an Indy 500 winner, and Felix Rosenquist just happy to finish fourth behind him. Mm. Man alive. Uh, there's some good candidates for some of these. King, who was your underrated gem of the race? Oh, man. I'd say honorable mention to Connor Daly. Yes. Great day out on track. Great, great drive from corner. Great. Led 13 laps. Home crowd went wild when he took the lead for the first time. <laughs> um, got that Austin pop from the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Look, if there is one man who has deserved a good day at this speedway over the years, it's Connor fucking Daly, the bad luck Brian of the Indy 500. And he finished sixth. Great job from Connor. Though, and, you know, my, my real underrated gem of the race even though it doesn't seem like they were underrated going in, after getting caught going into a closed fit entry, my pick, Alex Fallow, drove his way all the way back up to nine. Our pick. <laughs> he, was, he fought so hard. <laughs> King looks like he's about to break into Lincoln Park for a second there. I tried so hard <laughs> to lose it all. Oh my God. No, that's that. Great. Now we're getting shot. a copyright strike. <laughs> Reese's puffs. Reese's puffs. Eat them up. Eat them up. Eat them up. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Pelot's comeback was something. I mean, yeah, it pretty much saved his Asta Cup because he's still, he's still right there in contention. 56 very hard earned points for him in the end, despite everything. So, uh, yeah, I think Polo would take that given he was at the back of the field halfway through. Cam? Uh, got a couple. Definitely Connor Daly. Led some mm. laps, like you said. He's this. He's shown so much promise here, and this year he actually got a half-decent finish out of it. Mm. Elio Castroneves and Juan Pablo Montoya coming back from nowhere. From Coleman oh, still got it. <laughs> Um, Juan Pablo came back to 11th. Very canny from him. Uh, Castro Neves got up to 7th in the end. Can't really call him underrated given he's won this race four times, but <laughs> yeah, great old drive from Elio. Great old drive. Too. Shout out Tony Kanan as well. Oh, um, yeah. If next year is his last time at the 500, he could be... <laughs> I don't know. He he came very close to getting win number two out of nowhere. Yeah. But you know what? During that final red flag, when he's in the pit lane, he said on the radio, it's all or nothing, man. And I nearly shit myself just listening to it. Um, <laughs> the man he immediately got hosed on the final restart. <laughs> yes, thank God. Probably, probably for the best. Um, the man is 48 on New Year's Eve. <laughs> he's, he's probably going to be back next year. Tony Goddard, everybody. What a man. Uh, what a legend. But uh, I think, because it's a hometown guy, we're going to give our underrated gem 
of the race. It's a corner daily, everybody. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> see, see, we can have a well-settled award to do the Indy 500, and we can applaud someone that deserves a bit of kudos. Well done, now, Connor. In solidarity got- with Ed Carpenter Racing, we will all take our required swig of buttermilk. You could fuck off. Who's that. this queen? <laughs> Oh dear. Any closing thoughts on the 500 before we get out of here, folks? Um, Santucci Farino can't keep getting away with this. Uh, I, I thought I thought the uh, <laughs> he's the aggravatingly must... good around here. Yeah, and and it's going to parlay into another relief ride with Yonko Hollinger. He's so good at this, but he's so... <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep getting away with it. You basically. <laughs> also, as. I feel like a lot of the good points about the race itself were largely down to uh, largely down to weird mishaps happening and, you know, things thrown curveballs and pitch strategy than actual on-track racing. Mm. Yeah, not a massive amount of passing here. Not a massive amount of on-track action. But not a but, lot of yeah. ground. But still, at least we crescendoed into a nice finish. That was cool. Oh. Right? <laughs> that was one hell of a crescendo. Yeah, I was like, hey, hey, we must finish under green. Yeah, Michael, solid you seven. <laughs> solid seven of a race. There have been better 500s. There have also been much, much worse 500s. Yes. Oh, good. 2020, anybody? Oh, never oh God. Never <laughs> yeah, not ideal to say the least. But hey, a good 500. We'll happily take that. A fun one. And uh, yeah, one last time, folks. Marcus Erickson, your winner of the 106th Indianapolis 500. Suck it, Salva! <laughs> you know, you no. look at these two 2018 Alfa Romeo Sauber drivers, and you think, huh, one of them's going to win a piece of the Triple Crown. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Who'd afford it? To, to wrap it up, I will, I will borrow a line from what I wrote about it where I said, the greatest endorsement of Marcus Erickson's success is the fact that it really wasn't that big a surprise he won at all if you were paying attention. That'll do it for our show this time round. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, basically, you can find us one more time, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, twitter at, at motorsport underscore 101, our personal handles at harrison101hd, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, at cbuck917, uh, our Instagram, motorsport101pod, our Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash motorsport101 underscore. You can watch the entire replay of Day of Classics if you want. It's on there, ready to go. It's over eight hours long, so bring snacks. Uh, I, I would recommend as well, as far as I would say. Um, all of the details and some extra blog stuff as well on our website, motorsport101.com, if you want even more stuff to read about um, on that race as well. Um, thanks again to everyone that rolled up the Day of Classics as well. Much, much appreciated and all of that. And a big shout out as well. I mentioned it in my post. I want to mention it here one more time. Shout out to Dalton Keller, who has raised over $6,000 to the victims of that horrific shooting in Texas last week. He's done brilliant work. He's been a fantastic ambassador for the race and the series over the course of this one. So shout out to Dalton Kellett. Uh, he deserves a lot of praise for that one. I know it's easy to rag on the man, but uh, he's a good lad. We appreciate that. Thanks, everyone, for watching along. I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Buckley. We'll be back for something called the Monaco Grand Prix. And, uh, well, that was, a, that was an up and down one, to say the least. Especially if you're wearing red. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye.
On this day, more than any other day, we praise chocolate chip Ganassi racing. <laughs> a husky one, indeed. That's a contradiction. Dogs are allergic to chocolate. 